Have you ever heard of Kevin Kelly's essay from 2008 called 1,000 True Fans? This has been in circulation within creator circles for almost two decades at this point and has an updated version that has been out. But within Web3, a lot of people are saying that either this theory is dead or just does not apply to the NFT community and only applies to Web2. But today I'm going to debunk that. I'm going to dive into this theory to show that this thesis is alive and well. And not only does it apply to Web3, but it will apply to Web4, 5, and whatever comes beyond that because it's just sound business. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Kevin Kelly's original thesis was posted on his blog, but an updated version, which is a little bit shorter and condensed, has a little bit more updated language, was also included in Tim Ferriss's Tools of the Titan, which is a compilation of interviews from 200 billionaires, icons, and world-class performers in order to find some commonality in their tactics and what made them successful. And of course, anyone that has been within creator circles has heard of this 1000 fans thesis. And quite a few people that have come over into Web3 have even mentioned it and said that, well, in theory, you don't need 10,000 to be a successful project. You can do it with 1,000. But what we've been seeing over the last year or so is that it's becoming more and more difficult to be sustainable. And the reason for that is because within our creator circles, for the most part, a lot of people are selling NFTs today and then buying their friends' NFTs tomorrow. So basically, it's the same circle of people that are going around. And as more people launch their projects, we saw that the supply of buyers was just not enough to sustain all these projects that were launching. But in relation to what we're speaking about today, how this topic actually came up, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine on Twitter. Long story short, I was explaining how I was planning to put some NFTs on Ethereum using Manifold, but the high gas prices just made it not feasible at all. And I was saying that I was exploring options as putting it onto Polygon using the third web platform. In this conversation, of course, we were then speaking about the various things that she was doing and how things were going with her project. And I asked, have you ever heard of the 1000 True Fans thesis? And of course she has. And long story short, our discussion led to the creation of this episode. The easiest way for me to explain exactly how this works for us within the NFT community is to explain what the thesis is itself. 1,000 true fans is based on the idea that if you have 1,000 raving, passionate fans that are willing to spend $100 a year with your business, in theory, you should have a six-figure business. Now, six figures is not the type of thing where you're going to retire, buy a yacht, and ride off into the sunset and go live in Dubai. However, six figures is a lot of money, especially depending where you are in the world or even in the U.S., a six-figure income is pretty substantial. And when we're speaking about creators and digital products, those margins are very high. And that's a pretty good living in most parts of the country and world for that matter. But the reason why I think this is sort of in question within the whole NFT community is people are saying, well, I don't think we can find a thousand people to buy a hundred dollars worth of NFTs every single year. And that's probably true. However, the thousand true fans thesis is not necessarily saying sell the same things to a thousand people. Now, as far as the way I look at NFTs, I think the NFT is a great way of identifying your 1000 true fans rather than the people that are saying we're selling these tokens or these NFTs in order to generate revenue. I think the better way of looking at it and what I'm actually going to test out and probably 
rollout by summer is the idea that if I can identify who my 1,000 true fans are by using NFTs, then I can have engaging interactions with them that then helps me to be able to serve them at a better level. This is something I've been speaking about for the last, I don't know, month or two, and this is where my head is going, and this is my direction. And full of transparency, the reason why I want to test this out with myself is in the long run, I believe that how I can build a business with this using this NFT technology and all of this stuff is that if I can get it to work for myself, I can then get it to work for other businesses and want to take them on as clients. So that's where I'm headed. That's how I'm planning to test this all this out. Be the guinea pig, if you will, and see how it works. Figure out how I can package this and then work with other people and other brands, other companies to basically do the same thing. And the idea that I'm having is not challenging this 1,000 fans thing. It's actually built upon it. And I think it is actually a very sound idea because with these NFTs, these markers, if you will, identifying those 1,000 true fans, having that communication going back and forth. This is not a fast, quick sale process. Finding a thousand true fans or passionate, raging fans, that might take two years. That might take three years. Who knows how long that could be? But in doing so, you're also going to have the fringe fans, if you will. The people that are on the outskirts that are popping in every now and then that are consuming your products and services, or in the case of me, listening to a podcast episode every now and then, or maybe watching some of my videos that I might put out interacting with me on Twitter, but not directly spending any kind of money or contributing to the bottom line at all. However, they might be sharing things that is then branching out and helping other people to discover me. And in theory, by doing so, more true fans that are willing to then come into the ecosystem, let's say whatever I have, if it's a community, if I have some sort of content up, a live event, maybe I have some merchandise, not a very big fan of merchandise, but who knows, maybe somebody will ask for it. And things of that nature, that is what the true fans are going to request. So really, it's not about selling NFTs. The NFT is just the means to an end. The goal is actually building a sustainable business. The NFT is just helping to identify those people because a lot of the times, if you started off, say, selling on eBay or Amazon or just having a random website that is up there, it is very hard to actually find a connection with people. We don't really have a lot of data. First of all, in many cases, relying on ads from Facebook and Instagram and all those different places, and they're the gatekeepers. They're the ones who have the likes and preferences of our various customers. So if you're in that kind of business, you're selling digitally, a lot of that is relying on the big tech companies that has all this data. Now, within Web3, you have the NFTs, you're able to identify which wallets of these people are supporting you. Then you can invite them to either get on your email list, they can get into your circle by buying your other products and services, meet in person, all these different things. And it's creating more layers and layers and layers of how you can really know your customers. And I want to think on a local business, it is the same thing. So right here in Jamaica, where I am, our family business, the one that I actually exited at the beginning of this year, primarily is a grocery store. My family, or I should say my father, really made his money selling food. Started off as a restaurant, then transitioned over to selling the wholesale and excess things to other people. And then it grew into a grocery business. And that is really how he made the majority of his wealth over the last 30, 40 years or so, whatever. And when you really look at it, it is very small transactions over a period of time with raving fans. Some of the customers literally come into the store twice a day. They come in in the morning before they go to work, and then they come in the afternoon on their way home. So those are the type of true fan customers that are not limited to a digital world. 
this is something that can actually apply to physical brick and mortar businesses. But the thing is, a lot of these businesses are not leveraging data. So that's one of the unique things that we're able to capture and figure out within the context of Web3 using NFTs is really finding a connection with various people, seeing what they're purchasing, if you will, seeing how they actually interact with us. And there is a track record, if you will. We're building a database that is a public record, and we're able to use that and leverage that just as if we were the Amazons, the Googles, the Facebooks of the world. And I think that's just very interesting. We don't have to have these massive data centers with millions and billions of transactions to try to figure out what our customers actually like. With just the limited data that we're getting from those 1,000 quote-unquote true fans that are willing to buy those little fan favorite supporter NFTs for whatever reason it is. It could be a membership of some sort. It could be an exclusive to a brick and mortar experience. Who knows what it could be? But if they're willing to actually make that very small purchase to get into the door, well, then you can start to build on that. You can build on the connection. And in the terms of online marketing, there's a term that we use. It's called a tripwire. And a tripwire is something that you're going to offer for a very low entry price because they say buyers are buyers, right? If you're selling something for a dollar or a hundred dollars, it doesn't matter. When someone is in that buying mode, they're willing to buy more. The first sale is always the hardest. Once you get someone to spend $1 with you, it is so much easier to get them to spend $100 with you or $1,000 with you. Getting them into the door is one thing, but getting them to spend that first dollar is by far the hardest thing to do. But once that happens, as long as you deliver and you can have a good experience with them, you're able to foster that relationship, the likeliness of them coming back is much, much higher and it is easier to get a sale from them in the future. And the same thing happens in any kind of business. Just think about it. The very first time you go to a town, let's say, and you have to find a new doctor, a hairdresser, a barber, or lawyer, whatever it might be, some sort of service, you're usually going to go off of like a referral or something of that nature. You're going to ask around your friends, people that you know in the area, say, hey, who do you trust? Where do you get your haircut? Or who's your repairman? Who is very good at working on roofs? Not going to rip me off if they come to fix my dryer, things of that nature. You're going to ask some questions like that. And those People that give the recommendation say, hey, call Steve. Hey, call Jerry or check out Terry. She does amazing hairstyles. Well, those are the true fans. And that's what actually ends up happening. Those true fans that you have the connection with end up also being your word of mouth marketing, those evangelists that go out and promote you. So rather than giving the money to Facebook, Google and so forth, those true fans, just by serving them, they become your advertising budget, which is actually an amazing thing. And the same thing happens. It doesn't matter what you're selling and whether it is web one, two, three, four, five, whatever, people are people and marketing does not change. At the end of the day, word of mouth marketing, serving the people that you do have within your circle that are given to you, that you have that ability to serve, then multiplies itself out. So those 1,000 true fans, you get them into the door, they're going to bring other people in the door and they might not be as passionate, as raving as them. They might be occasional, $10 here, $5 there. They're not spending that $100 a year like the raving fans are, but hey, it's all good. Everything adds up. And a lot of the times I think the issue of a true fan thing comes with technology that we think that things actually change. But for example, with music NFTs, if you're someone who is collecting music NFTs, it doesn't matter if it is a CD, MP3, a tape, 
a track, whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's the experience of having that music and connecting with that artist. So those fans that are traveling around, going to all the concerts, getting the t-shirts, the posters, every single Christmas special, a re-release, a remaster of an album comes out, they're buying every single one of them. Those are the true fans. So it's the same principle that actually goes in. And so it really, it's not about NFT community supporting the NFT community and the same people that are creating or buying from each other and everything going around in circles. At the end of the day, if you're creating some sort of value, and in the case that I just used with that example, the value is that music, that experience, that connection. It doesn't matter what the medium is per se, those true fans are going to go out. You know, I can think of so many books, for example, that I have the physical copy, I have the audiobook, and I have the ebook. <laughs> like, why? You might be thinking that that's absolutely crazy. Usually, I tend to learn things better when I have it by various mediums. And if I find a book that really impacts my life, for example, one of the first books that I did this with was with the 10 best ever anxiety management techniques. That is a mouthful. <laughs> but it is a book by Margaret Warrenberg. I probably recommended that book to people more than any book that I've ever read or ever recommended in my entire life. And when I first got it, it was via an article. It was a photocopied article that I was given for free. And I think it was like four pages. Then I ended up getting the full book on Amazon. Next thing you know, I have the audio book. I have the digital copy. I'm recommending it to people. I'm giving it out. I'm loaning this. I'm, I'm sending out that little article, recommending people to buy the books and so forth. And guess what? I have become a true raving fan of that book and her work. Why? Is because the impact that the book did on me, I was someone who had severe anxiety and I didn't even know it until I was given that article three or four pages. I was like, wow, this is what anxiety is. I definitely have it. Ended up reading the book and it absolutely changed my life. So even years after the fact, I'm still recommending it. I have my anxiety under control for the most part. Management's not something that ever goes away, but I can manage it thanks to that book. And I know the impact that it had on me and I'm not getting anything from recommending it. Sure, if I drop it into the show notes or something of that nature and say, hey, check out this book, whatever, then yeah, well, I'll get a little dollar here or I'll get a few cents here and there from Amazon for recommending that. But at the end of the day, I mean, what is that really? The reason why I'm recommending that book is because I know what it did for me and I recommend it to other people. And as a result, I ended up buying it in multiple different formats. And guess what? It has nothing to do with the medium. Times have changed. Some people say paper books don't sell anymore. Some people will say that ebooks are horrible, audiobooks are horrible, like whatever. But at the end of the day, I have all the different formats and I'm recommending them all and I don't care. So going back to this whole analogy, the reason why I even brought that up, I kind of went off on a tangent there, took that train down a dirt road. But reason why I brought that up is because as far as, say, music NFTs and the community that we're building and so forth, it's really not about the NFTs. It's about the music. And in the case of if we're trying to serve a local business with our NFTs or in the case of me trying to build an audience and community using the NFTs, it's not the NFTs that I'm trying to sell. What I'm trying to sell is those connections. What I'm trying to really promote and, and get off the ground is the idea of this content that I'm putting out and anyone that can relate to it that wants to somehow contribute or be a part of it, uh, come on this journey with us, that wants to be in this community. Like That's the sort of thing that we're selling. It's not necessarily the idea of just an NFT, the token itself, the technology. No, we're well beyond that, just selling technology. As I've said just countless times, you're probably tired of hearing me say this right now, we're using 
using this technology to solve problems, right? The solution is what we're selling. And as explorers within this space, that is what we're doing. So that is a long around the way, roundabout way of just saying that I truly believe that 1000 True Fans essay is not going away. It still stands today. It is relevant more than ever. And it doesn't matter what kind of business it is. Is not just limited to creators. I think it is a very sound marketing business principle, and I'll be testing it for sure. So I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. I'll be leaving the link to that article in case you're interested in it. And while I'm at it, why not? I'll put those links to those books. I threw a couple of them out there at you. I'll put those in the show notes as well. But hopefully you find that interesting and can find value in that 1000 fans theory. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Please feel free to reach out to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter. If anything I said today resonates with you, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you left a review, especially if it's on an Apple podcast, but either way, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.